Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey, it's Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the show. So we've done more than 90 episodes of The Bay, and we've been spending some time this summer thinking about how to make the show better for you. We made this survey, and we'd love it if you can give us some feedback. We'll be going over your responses soon. So check out the episode notes to find this survey, and thank you so much. All right, here's today's show. Your school probably had a dress code, and just for a second, I want you to think about what was allowed and what was not allowed. I asked my girlfriend, Allie, about this. Back in the early 2000s, think mean girls, okay? That was the fashion. Low-cut bottoms, high-cut top. This is exactly what she wore. And so one day, Allie's walking back from lunch with some friends when the assistant principal sees her. She just pointed and, and like, did come here to me. And I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I'm in trouble. That midriff style might still get you in trouble in some Bay Area schools, but not in Alameda. Students there are back in class this week, and they've convinced the school district to let them call the shots on what they can and cannot wear. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Certainly dress codes have always been in response to what's happening in society around us. Jill Tucker is the education reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Movies I remember from the 80s, even early 90s, I remember like, you know, kids dressing a lot more liberally than they do today. Yeah, I mean, think Flashdance, right? You know, that movie where it was sort of off-the-shoulder ripped sweatshirts and, you know, they had the leggings. I think there's always been a sense of what is appropriate dress to wear. And certainly the the decades, that, that shifts, you know, and I think the schools certainly reflect that. Do you know how the dress code for Alameda Unified measures up against other Bay Area schools or districts? Yeah, the one they had before, I would say they were like no short shorts or skirts, um, certain widths on your tank top strap, no ripped jeans. And that's what you see in a lot of the dress codes uh, across the Bay Area, whether it's Oakland or San Francisco or down in the peninsula where I went to high school. Right. Were you an education reporter when Columbine happened? Uh, Yes, I was an education. I had to think back that far. Yes, I was. Yeah. Do you remember any changes at that time? Yeah, definitely. The shooters in the Columbine High School massacre both wore long duster style coats during their rampage. There were rules against, you know, sort of the dark goth uh, style at the time. Ever since, concerns about copycats have prompted districts nationwide to change their dress codes. And and you still see some of that uh, reflected in, in many of the dress codes. 
with hoodies. Students are speaking out tonight after dozens were suspended for wearing hoodies to school. If dress codes are reflective of the moment that we're living in, who gets to decide that moment? Who gets to decide what the dress codes are? Well, typically it's the adults, right? It's going to be the school board. It's going to be the teachers, you know, everybody from the people in the office to, to the crossing guard. And if you read some of these dress codes, they'll even say based on the discretion of teachers or staff. Hmm. So if that means that, you know, the office secretary doesn't like the look of your shirt, she can call you out for the dress code violation. So why did the adults in, in the city of Alameda decide to change this? Because the kids pushed them to. So it was about three years ago when the students at Lincoln Middle School, Kristen Wong and Henry Mills, were frustrated by the dress code and felt that it was disproportionately affecting girls. And that it didn't make a lot of sense. So they pushed back. They started doing research. They basically did a survey of the clothes that Old Navy sold and found that 90% of the clothes that were available for the boys or the males would adhere to the old dress code. And yet only 40% of the clothes sold for females would pass the dress code. Wow. You know, there was one student, young girl, she described her outfit to me. She said, I was wearing full jeans with no holes, tank top with a scoop neck, and a cardigan. And she said, my, like, the legs weren't showing, my shoulders weren't showing, my cleavage wasn't showing, which she was 12, so I'm not sure right. how much there was there. She said there was nothing showing. <laughs> and yet she went to the office for something, and they said, you know, you can't wear that again. She remembers walking out of the office and feeling horrible, feeling guilty that she had picked this outfit and feeling ashamed. So they ended up amending the dress code at their own school and decided, well, heck, we're all going to high school, you know, in a year. Let's change the whole policy. What's the core argument of dress codes? Like, what's the idea for even implementing a dress code? Well, when you read dress codes, they, they tell you that they want students to be dressed appropriately for the educational experience, to be dressed professionally for the educational experience. Um, and they don't want them to distract others by what they're wearing. That tends to come up a lot, that they can't wear clothing that's distracting. And that was a key complaint of the students in uh, Alameda. And it also was the key reason that the uh, Portland chapter of the National Organization of Women created this model policy that Alameda used as the basis for their own dress policy. Basically, is it really a 14-year-old's responsibility to um, not distract a classmate, you know, because there's too much shoulder showing? Mm. And, um, you know, or is it the boy that just needs to pay attention in algebra class? To be fair, I mean, these dress codes, including Alameda's, you still can't wear profanity or hate speech or tobacco or alcohol or other types of, you know, pornography is in there. So, you know, there are still rules about, you know, those types of things. So, you know, the dress policy, which I, I when I first read it, the first thing that came to mind was um, a very simple cover the important bits. 
you know, right. is sort of how I read it. Well, we, we talked about uh, these dress codes being reflective of the moment we live in. And currently, the moment we live in includes youth voices that are being elevated, especially after the Parkland shooting. We're also living in the Me Too movement, forcing conversations about how women in our society are, mis- are mistreated. Is there any correlation, you think, to a pretty young group of students who are forcing this change? Certainly they were working on this before Parkland, but I think the um, the message is that young people are definitely feeling much more empowered to participate in the process. You know, they went into it not knowing what was going to happen and were pleasantly surprised that they had a seat at the table and that the adults were listening to them. They were able to express their thoughts and ask questions about the the dress code that they had. One of the students, Henry, he was talking about it's not just the content of the dress code, but the old dress code, for example, the things that applied to girls like the skirt length, it was underlined in the dress code. But the Hmm. things that applied to the boys were not underlined. And he was like, why is that? And they were like, I don't know. They didn't have good answers for that. No. And so they got rid of it. Do you have any sense of what parents are saying on either side? I think there is going to be some pushback. (laughs) This is Alameda, which is, um, by Bay Area standards, perhaps one of the more traditional types of communities. But that said, Alameda has a tradition of wanting decisions to be made in the homes more than by, you know, the the school board or the city council. California and, and the Bay Area in particular has a very long history of student activism, And I learned a long time ago never to underestimate kids. Well, Jill, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. We wanted to hear from students, too, so we reached out to Kristen Wong, who helped Alameda Unified make this change. We talked to her after she was done with cross-country practice. I think it gives hope, um, and it gives you um, a new sense of confidence. Now I'm seeing so many students rejoicing, of course, but, you know, you're seeing adults acknowledge that, you know, there was a a problem and that we solved it. Kristen says the school district will try out the policy for this school year and then revisit it next year. To read Jill Tucker's story in the San Francisco Chronicle, check out the link in our episode notes. This episode got us talking about dress codes at our schools growing up. Producer Erica Aguilar wasn't allowed to wear jeans, although she always wanted to. And if you don't know what those are, I suggest you go Google them. Producer Ryan Levy said no hats in his Minnesota school district. And I remember no shirts with beer logos. What was yours? Let us know on Twitter using the hashtag TheBayKQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Um, uh, do you mind me asking what year you were in uh, high school, middle school? I do mind. Okay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more 
all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.